0: So, who's next? You are Locked On Trojans, your daily podcast on the USC Trojans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Fight on, everyone. I'm your host, Mark Holkin, and thank you for making Locked On USC your first listen every single day. Whether you're watching me on YouTube or wherever you like to download your podcast, we are free. I appreciate your support and I'd appreciate it a little bit more if all of you who watch the show become a subscriber. It's really easy. If you're watching on YouTube, click that subscribe button. you like the episode, hit the thumbs up. And because I come at you five times a week, Monday through Friday, hit that bell notification. You won't miss an episode. On yesterday's episode of locked on USC, I started to look at the schedule and I I asked the question, who's going to challenge USC in 2023? So now you understand why I said, who's next? I gave Utah the lead and a, uh, a fighter's chance because they beat USC two times last year, albeit with a few unique circumstances that may or may not have made a difference in the games outcome. Nevertheless, they did beat USC two times, but who else has the right stuff? Which other team can threaten USC in 2023? I I mentioned yesterday on yesterday's episode, I was going to choose a team from uh, the Pac-12's North division. So Let's start with a team that has been a thorn in USC's side for a while now. And no, it's not the Oregon Ducks. Just wait your turn in line, kind of like everyone else, Duck fan. Here, practice. Pretend you're waiting for that publisher's clearinghouse doorbell to ring and that Big Ten conference representative, he's standing there holding that big oversized check. With your lifetime financial security, pretend. Anyways, deal with it. I'll get you guys eventually. No, I'm talking about Stanford. They've got a new head coach, Troy Taylor. Well, look, look, he's got a whole lot of work to do with the uh, with the Cardinal this year, and he's got to bring in a whole lot of new stuff. To kind of change the whole. Stanford philosophy that everyone's been uh, accustomed to. Uh, In fact, Stanford and Colorado are going to be slugging it out for the race to 11th place in the conference this year. Um, The trees, Stanford, the Cardinal, if you're old school, the Indians, uh, they are not going to be a threat to uh, this, to this Trojan team in 2023. In fact, I won't be surprised if they're 41-point underdogs when they come to the Coliseum on my birthday. I'm kidding. Not about my birthday. They're showing up September 9th. But the point spread part, then again, maybe not. This is gonna be a really difficult season up on the farm for Stanford. So John McKay, legendary coach of the Trojans, he said one time he wanted to beat those guys 2,000-0. to zero. He he hated Stanford. Uh, so I want to give a really quick shout out to my friend and new Stanford Cardinal offensive line coach, Vianney Talamayavo. Hello? I'm sorry, but this is going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt me. But Vianney is, uh, he's an up-and-comer. Big star in the coaching rank, coaching rankings. But he is, uh, he's trying to rebuild an offensive line that is, and this is my term, it's in disarray. Uh, But he does have a couple of transfers to work with. One's from Harvard, Uh, another one's from Penn, Not uh, not the state school, I'm talking about the Ivy League Penn. So you can see Stanford still has a very limited pool of players that they go after, whether it be high school recruiting and also when it comes to the transfer portal. Um, now, they're going to, I would say their strongest position group on offense is going to be wide receivers. They're your typical Stanford wideouts. Big, strong, um, John Humphreys, uh, Mudia Rubin, excuse me. And then I want you to keep an eye on. An early enrollee. early enrollee, I'm a big-time fan of Tiger Bachmeier. I watched him during the 7-on-7 seven seven, uh, circuit, and I, I know he plays down there for his dad at Lake Elsinore, but he early enrolled at Stanford. I love this young man's game. Fearless. I kind of wish he would, you know, USC went after, but... He might not be USC level, at least according to Lincoln Riley, but I love this young man's game. Anyways, moving on. Uh, at running back, they've got uh, Emmett's kid, EJ Smith. EJ needs to stay healthy, see what he can contribute. At quarterback, um, they're looking at a guy named Ari Patu. He sat behind Tanner McKee last season. I think the mere fact that Stanford is going to struggle to score in 2023, it's going to add even more pressure to its defense. Uh, so players like David Bailey and Aaron Armitage, who USC went after both, uh, most recently, David Bailey from Stanford, Aaron Armitage was a recruit when Clay Helton was USC's head coach. Uh, they also up there, they have Jackson Roy, um, so who plays defensive line, Stanford will be stout up front defensively. I just don't know how much depth they have. And they're going to be, they're going to be decent on defense. And because that's where most of their experience is. Again, I don't know how deep they go. And based on the, how offensively challenged they could be, uh, they're going to need to have some depth on defense. Now, David Shaw, uh, He, he took the reins from Jim Harbaugh and he led Stanford football probably through their best era ever. Uh, but Troy Taylor is taking over and he's going to have to see what he can do, uh, offensively because I, I think David Shaw's style, you know, that intellectual brutality grew old. Um. Troy Taylor, he's coming over from Sacramento State. He's bringing some new ideas. He's got a different type of offense that everybody who's watched Stanford over the last 15 plus years has been accustomed to. Again, I talked about the intellectual brutality. Smart, don't make mistakes, but physical, just pound the ball, ground control, clock control, use the tight ends in the red zone. Troy Taylor at Sacramento State, he took over a team that went 2-8 overall and 0-7 in the Big Sky Conference in 2018, but he then proceeded to lose just one conference game over the next three seasons. Uh, they didn't get to play football in 2020, the COVID year, California, yada, yada, yada. And, oh, by the way, Stanford hosts Sacramento State the week after they take their thrashing from USC at the Coliseum and Stanford opens their season um, at Hawaii. So then they play USC before they take on Coach Taylor's former team. Good luck, Vianney, fight on. All right, Uh, are you still looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all those sugar and calories I had a buddy who called me up today and said, "Mark, I went out. I got some of those built bars. He loves them. You got to try these. If you're like me, you don't want to compromise taste. You want to try and do things healthy. Give built a try. Seriously, they're they taste so good. They're amazing. And what and what makes built bars so good? Well, for starters, what does Mark like? He likes chocolate. These things are covered in 100% real dark chocolate." and that makes them good right away. And they come in unbelievably really good flavors like churro and peanut butter brownie and cookies and cream. And I'm not sure how Built does it, but they taste like a candy bar and they do it while maintaining what they call their amazing macros. Macros, what is that? 130 calories, four grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. Now, you don't even have to order them online. Hey, if you are near Walmart or Sam's Club, you're in luck. So if you're near Walmart, walk on in, head to the pharmacy section. You can pick up a four-bar box of their cookies and cream bar, their double chocolate bar, or their coconut puff. And if you're close to Sam's Club, run in, grab a 13-bar box. They have their hit flavors, brownie batter puff, churro puff. Let me know. Tell me what you think and then you can thank me later. On tomorrow's episode of Locked on USC, I'm going to continue this uh, way too early list of teams who are gonna challenge USC who's, you know, I'm looking at USC's schedule. I'm picking teams from the South Division, from the North Division, and I'll include their out-of-conference teams as well. So, tomorrow's episode, move back to the South, pick another team. But what I want to do is I want to ask this question. Is USC a top five team heading into this season? Post-spring, would you say they're top five? Are they a top five team in the country? We know that the schedule on the back end is going to be tough. We've got Notre Dame, Utah, uh, plus you got UCLA, Oregon, and Washington, as well as Cal. And there's a bye week in there as well Uh, so i didn't mention the games in order but that's the back end cal would obviously be considered the easiest game and then you've got the bye week in ucla those are the three easy ones Um, now cbs along with fox and nbc they're going to be a part of the new tv media deal that's going to be covering usc when they join the big conference You'll notice I did not mention the name ESPN. However, let's see who has a better view of the Trojans for 2023. Everyone is releasing their way too early list. I've been doing mine. Well, here is the uh, way too early post-spring camp top 25. Here's CBS Sports. I'm starting with them first for a reason. Number one, Georgia. Makes sense. Number two, Michigan. Number three, Ohio State. What? And let me tell you why I'm saying what? Question mark, exclamation point. Here is Dennis Dodd's rationale for putting Ohio State number three after the spring camp. CJ Stroud is gone. The offensive line lost a lot of talent. There are questions on defense ryan day must must beat michigan this year sounds like doom and gloom and the nation's number for the nation's number three team well kyle mccord is the likely likely candidate to replace Stroud at quarterback in his limited play over the past two seasons he's completed 71 percent of his passes and the former five star out of philadelphia seems to be up to the jaw uh, reminder this comes down to beating michigan so he he puts a qualifier in there. But again, why is Ohio State number three when you lose all that, the way you lay it out? Anyways, number four, Penn State. Here's my what 2.0. Um, yeah. Number five, and this is my confirmation that Dennis Dodd, I, maybe he was thinking about other things. Number five, Washington. It's a shame that the ongoing TV rights kerfuffle has overshadowed what should be a strong Pac-12 season on the field. He's correct there. Pencil and the Huskies as the league champions for now. (laughs) Michael Penix Jr. is going to be a lot of folks Heisman favorite, myself included. That's Dennis speaking. Um... He has a stout defense to play behind in Kalen DeBoer's second season. I don't know about that. And um, edge rushers Braylon Trice and Zion Tupeloa Fetty combined for 13.5 sacks last year. Those two matched what Tuli Tupeloa did by himself for USC last season. Anyways, number six, Alabama. Then he jumped to, let me just jump ahead to number 11, Oregon. You notice I haven't gotten to USC yet. Here's his rationale for putting Oregon at number 11. As Bo Nix goes, so go the Ducks. Oregon's quarterback found his game under Dan Lanning's former offensive coordinator, Kenny Dillingham, who is now at Arizona State as their head coach. For starters, depart from the offensive line. But watch transfers of Holden from Alabama, wide receiver, Tez Johnson from Troy. Landing is just beginning to establish himself as a head coach. It will be a battle with Washington and USC for the Pac 12 title. Again, I, I just don't understand Dennis's rationale. Oh, by the way, here's USC. They come in at number 13. Remember, he's got Michael, Michael Penix Jr. as his Heisman favorite. Meanwhile, Caleb Williams could win back-to-back Heismans. He could throw for 5,000 yards and 30 touchdowns. But until the defense gets fixed, and he is correct, it's hard to consider the Trojans a legitimate playoff contender. It's the lack of that D at key points when they gave up 136 points combined, given up in in their last two losses uh, to Utah as well as to Tulane. But that might be fixed uh, with the addition of Georgia's Bear Alexander. So, he doesn't mention anybody else that USC brought in through the transfer portal defensively. Again, I just think he took a lazy shotgun approach. Um, The rest of the Dennis Dodd CBS Top 25, as far as the Pac-12 is concerned, Utah came in at number 14. Oregon State at number 15, they're not on USC's schedule, and UCLA at number 21. So, let's contrast and compare that to ESPN's post-spring Power 25 from Mark Schlebach. typically who, he's he's been critical of USC in the past, let's just say that. Number one, he's got Georgia, two-time defending champion, again, it makes sense. Michigan at number two. I get it. Um, he's, you know, Jim Harbaugh, he, he owns Ryan Day in Ohio State right now, although he is 0-2 in the playoffs. At number three, and this one is where I kind of, you can see if you're watching on YouTube, I'm furrowing my brow. I'm scratching my back of my head. Florida State. Look, I get it. They finished the season in 2023, 10-3. They were 5-3 and three in the ACC. The ACC wasn't that strong. They do return eight starters on offense as well as eight on defense. Here is Schleybach's uh, post-spring outlook for Florida State. He believes Jordan Travis is a legitimate Heisman Trophy candidate. Okay, candidate. Why not? Uh, And he believes that Coach Mike Norvell has added a couple of key pieces to give him more options this season offensively. He they brought in uh, Jaheim Bell from South Carolina, and Kyle Morlock from Division II shorter university. Those two guys are going to play tight end. At receiver, he brought in uh, Kentron Poitier, who seems to uh, be ready to have a breakout season, along with freshman. Pardon me on this one, Vandravius Jacobs, who both of these guys young budding stars. And then defensively, in the transfer portal, he brought in, uh, Coach Norvell was able to get Braden Fiske, Western Michigan. That name might sound familiar to USC fans. USC was after him. And then they also, uh, they, they brought in uh, Patrick Payton, who performed well in the spring. And that's going to give their defensive line a, uh, a boost. Remember, the previous season, they brought in Jared Verse, who USC also considered. Now, number four. Here we go, USC. (coughs) Pardon me. Here's Mark's post-spring outlook. Schleybox, not mine. The reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Caleb Williams. He's back to lead and an explosive offense. And it might even be better with the additions of wide receiver Dorian Singer and tailback Marshawn Lloyd from South Carolina. USC they lost Travis Dye and Jordan Addison. This is what they replace him with. A all Pac-12 wide receiver, Dorian Singer. And Marshawn Lloyd, who showed USC fans what he's capable of doing in the spring game. And Mark is convinced that USC's offensive line might have three seniors and two juniors starting the season. He could be right, depending on how things shake out. Uh, Coach Lincoln Riley also brought in Arizona Cardinals former head coach, Cliff Kingsbury, as an analyst. He's going to work with Caleb Williams. And as everybody is gonna bring up, the question is whether or not the Trojans will be able to stop anybody on defense. Okay, We need to stop saying, stop anybody. Uh, look, Riley brought in the additions of Bear Alexander, Anthony Lucas from Texas AM, and m Keon Bars from Arizona, Mason Cobb, Oklahoma State. These were all positions of need for, not just just to get better, but now USC has depth. All right, then he rounded it out uh, with Ohio State, Alabama number six. So at least there was some consistency with CBS. Alabama is the number 16 coming out of spring camp. LSU was number seven, Penn State, Number eight, Clemson, nine. Texas, number 10. Tennessee at 11. Now, Washington was number 12. Uh, Washington's priorities in the spring included rebuilding its offensive line, which lost both its starting guards and its center. So again, Dennis Dodd, hello. Uh, however, the good news, uh, according to Mark Schlebach, is guards Nate Kalepo and Julius Bulo and center Mateo Malay played quite a bit while rotating uh, in the lineup last season. So if that front five can be solidified, Washington's offense, which will have a very good quarterback in Michael Penix Jr., they will be good. Because um, Last year, they put up 39, almost 40 points per game in 2022. Um, but, you know, the defense... They're also adding a couple of running backs and this is why I guess um, Dennis Dodd is so high on them. Number 13, Notre Dame. Number 14, who did Mark Slavok had? Oh, Utah. And number 15, Oregon. And then where did we go from there? So those were the teams. I I just mentioned those names because those are who is on USC's schedule this year. Oregon State was the only other Pac-12 team to make ESPN's top 25. Again, not on USC's uh, schedule this season. So this is why uh, these are called way too early lists. But seriously, come on, Dennis. Dude, your number three and five picks were comical. And I could I look I can understand if you're giving Ohio State the benefit of the doubt and the uh, the Chewbacca defense South Park fans don't understand that but Washington at number five eight spots ahead of USC come on man anyways all right before we get out of here on this episode of Locked On USC. I keep coming back to the transfer portal, NIL and high school recruiting. This is going to be an ongoing topic for a long time. And the reason I'm bringing this one up now, again, is there's talk going around in the recruiting circles that USC is going to lose another local offensive line recruit to Oregon. Brandon Baker, offensive lineman from modern day, is leaning hard uh, and is considered a lean to um, Eugene, the Oregon Ducks. First of all, number one, he's a legacy. His brother played there. Number two, we know Oregon likes to use its NIL program to get players to commit out of high school especially if they have to compete against USC for that player. I'm of the opinion that USC should just stay the course. Use their NIL and their collectives to figure quotes, pay players who have earned it at the college level or, you know, players who are at least a huge need for USC out of the transfer portal. I guess you would say if those players have the leverage, they know USC needs them. USC kind of has to, you know, understand that. That might that might not be the case in the next few years. Players this year, maybe next year, understand they might have a little bit more leverage. But when it comes to, you know, high school recruits in the trenches, should USC start considering a different approach? or just recruit an offensive line class like they have coming in in 2023. And then, as I mentioned earlier, kind of lure the the hole fillers until the the youth guys are ready to play. Again, I I still believe USC is doing it the right way. Recruit high school offensive linemen, develop them, get them ready to step in, make them the depth. And then go get the guys out of the transfer portal who have college experience, who are ready. Fill in the holes. So like this year, USC has Elijah Page, freshman. I don't know if he's ready to start the season, but he'll be ready to play significant minutes. And I've said this before, by the time the year's over, if not be starting. But in the meantime, USC brought in a couple of guys, whether it be Michael Tarquin or Jarrett Kingston. Um, They lost Bobby Haskins to the draft. They lost Cortland Ford to the transfer portal. They got to get that left tackle position figured out. So you want to have experience there. You just don't want to throw a true freshman out there. So this is why I keep vacillating back and forth. How should USC use it? When it comes to high school recruits in the trenches, I might be willing to consider luring certain recruits with the NIL collectives, especially if they play offensive line or defensive line. This has nothing to do with losing a recruit to Oregon. A lot of those guys who end up there aren't gonna finish there. That's all I'm gonna say. So on that note, That's another episode of Locked on USC in the books. I will be back again tomorrow with another one because I come at you five times a week. I'm going to continue my way too early. Which team is going to challenge USC in 2023, 2023 series? That's a mouthful. But until then, everyone, you know what to do.